right. Hello and welcome back to Cafe All Lit. Um, it's Booker International season. So, um, I just thought I would do not so much analysis of these books. I may, um, I may in the future, um, if I have enough to say about one of them, I, I may, I may dig a little deeper and, uh, and, and actually do that. But this is going to be more of a review and just like kind of broad, broad, quick thoughts on the prize, uh, or on the books that are uh that made the long list this year um for starters what i usually what i did with the uh so what i usually do i've only uh sort of recently started following these prizes more closely but last year i did the uh booker prize and i when the long list was announced i think it was 13 books as well it might have been 12 but when the long list was announced i started reading a couple of the books and I tried to get through like four or five of them. I don't remember exactly how I did just with the intention of when the short list is announced, I kind of want to, which I felt this last year, but I, I kind of want to do all read all of the six short list books for the Booker international this year and the Booker prize this year. Um, if I have time in addition to that, I do want to try to read the Penn Faulkner short list as well. Um, and, and I've read a couple of books on the women's prize. Um, so there's that. Um, yeah. So Booker International, um, there are 13 books on the list. I have read two so far. Um, let's see. The short list is announced April 18th. So almost a month from now, I've got almost a month to uh, kind of narrow down, hopefully narrow down. I mean, odd, what are the odds I read the seven books that are not, that don't make the short list? That'd be, uh, that'd be about right. Um, but yeah, the, the idea is to kind of knock some of those out so that from that, that turnaround, which I have almost a month from the time the short list is announced until the, the prize is, uh, is awarded. Um, but hopefully I'll have read, uh, at least, at least, two or three of those final books. So if I get kind of uh, burnt out or something, um, which I'm trying to read the shorter books and the books that interest me the most first, hoping that those will be, um, but cause that, that way, even if it, if you, even if they don't make the short list, I, I won't feel like I've, uh, you know, I mean, if, if I don't, if I'm not like all that interested in, in the book by the synopsis, that doesn't necessarily mean I won't enjoy it. And, uh, that's what I love about uh, book prizes and stuff in general is that it's just really easy to um, really easy makes it really easy to find really good books that you never would have found otherwise. Um, and that's that's been the case for for both of the ones I've read so far. Both of them were somewhere well one was around a hundred pages one was one was closer to 250 I think. Um, I read them both in ebook form, which not an ebook guy. Um, but I believe some of these are difficult to get in the U.S. at the moment or um, just take a while. Um, difficult may not be the right word. With the Internet now, it's not difficult to get anything. Um, there's, so, some of them have not been published in the U.S. yet. So I've had to go international. So I'm, I'm, I've got several um, books coming in the mail pretty soon. But yeah, enough, enough setup for this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and knock out both of the books in this in this podcast episode. And hopefully, as long as 
as long as I finish the books in advance, I'm going to try to do like an update every Friday or, or every other Friday. Um, and we'll, we'll see how that goes, see how, how engagement is. If, if anyone's actually interested in it or not, if no one's interested in it, I may or may not continue. Um, I do enjoy patting myself on the back, but you know, after a while it gets a little sore. So yeah. So we're going to start, I read ninth building first. Ninth building is by Zhu Jingzi, and he, I think he, um, yeah, he is highly regarded in China as a fiction writer, poet, essayist, screenwriter, and playwright. So he's he's written pretty much any type of thing you can write. Um, and this is from the publisher site, uh, the UK publisher site, um, that I got that from Hanford Star that is um it's translated by jeremy tiang which uh, one thing i love about this prize so far is that uh it just like knowing about it is it's really a prize for both the author and the translator you know translators so often um they do they do the hard they do a hard gritty kind of job that goes unrecognized you know, a lot of times. Um, and so I, I like that they get recognized with this prize. I believe the prize money is split evenly between the translator or translators and the writer. Uh, it's 50-50 for writer and translation. So if there's multiple translators, they'll get like less of a percentage. But just some, uh, I'm bouncing a little bit around here. Um, so I apologize for that if that's bothering you, but I am who I am. So the description on on the site for the book it says ninth building is a fa fascinating collection of vignettes drawn from Zhu Jingzi's experience growing up during the cultural revolution, first as a boy in Beijing, and then as a teenager exiled to the countryside. Zhu poetically captures a side of the cultural revolution that is less talked about the sheer tedium and waste of young life, as well as the gallows humor that accompanies such desperate situations. Jeremy Chang's enthralling, enthralling translation of this important work of fiction was awarded a Penheim grant. I don't remember if I've already said this, but I do apologize if I mispronounce some of these names. I mean, no disrespect. But yeah, so I, I really, I really enjoyed reading this. Actually, I read it over the course of a few few days. Um, I pro if if I had had the paperback, I probably would have read it faster. Um, but for me. I just, I just have trouble getting into ebooks sometimes, but if they're really well written like this one was, or like uh, Boulder was, I have no, I, I don't have nearly as much trouble. It does help. Um, but I don't know if I could read a book much longer than that. I think I read A Little Life a few years ago in ebook, and that was, that took me way longer than it would have, again, if I had a print copy. Um, so, you know. Everybody's different. Some people, I think, prefer the e-copies. They can just blaze through them. That is not so with me. I like to be able to physically feel my progress through the book um, and occasionally smell the pages. Um, and I'm not the only one who does that, so don't judge me. The first the first half of the book, or it's not quite a half, it's like the first 40% of the book um, takes place when he's a child, and then the second half takes place when he's like a, like a young adult, like late teens. So the childhood is interesting because he's sort of every everything feels like a like a like a game to him in in the revolution. Um, it, it doesn't quite feel real. Um, 
it's it's viewed like through the eyes of a child. It's just something that's going on. You know, he's just living life. He's got other worries. And then when he's a teenager, a little later on, this book is just, it's not about the, uh, the big things of the revolution. It's about the everyday minutia of those in the country during it. And, um, I think the, like I was saying, the, um, it's the everyday minutia, the everyday, like, um, just one day at a time sort of thing, sort of mentality that goes along with being in a situation like this. Like, it's just, you don't really grasp the big picture of what's going on. Like, I mean, sure. If you put all the pieces together, um, you kind of get that something big's going on during the timeline of the book, but you don't get exactly what that big picture is. You see people being um, sort of interned in prison for like very little like offenses that don't even really feel like they should be illegal. Like uh, you see their parents get um, taken to prison and they're the kids, teenagers are basically just like, yeah, I mean, it happens. You know, it's, it's, it's so normalized during that um, all the, all the things that would feel so weird and foreign um, these kids kind of grew up with this going on. So it just feels normal. And it's like seeing that sort of depicted in this book is, um, is, is super interesting. Um, so I would definitely recommend, um, that you go check this out. It's, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, but it's told in, uh, like the description says collection of vignettes. So it, it's told in very short chunks, like a, each quote chapter is like just a couple pages long um usually so it's just sort of it's not so much a uh, plot arc is just like a this happened and then another day this happened and then another time this happened and you know so on and so forth um but like the collective whole and just like the author is a poet and i think that comes through um really strongly in in the book just the it's just written so so well um and i think that's one of the one of the best things about it is just just how it's written on a line to paragraph level it just pulls you through um so yeah that's it for that one for now (coughs) the other one i read is boulder and this has got to be one of the horniest books I have ever read. Um, I I did leave a review for this one on my on my Goodreads, and um, yeah, I don't know how else to to really describe it. Um, I said a rather horny book, also sad, depressing, and somehow gritty and beautiful too. Extremely well written. I think the author is first and foremost a poet. Um, and the author is a poet. I believe... I believe the author has published multiple... I think I read somewhere like somewhere around 10 books of poetry. And th- this is her second novel. So um, the description for this one from the publisher site says 
Working as a cook on a merchant ship, a woman comes to know and love Samza, a woman who gives her the nickname Boulder. When Samza gets a job in Reykjavik and the couple decides to move there together, Samza decides that she wants to have a child. She is already 40 and can't bear to let the opportunity pass her by. Boulder is less enthused, but doesn't know how to say no, and so finds herself dragged along on a journey that feels as thankless as it is alien. With motherhood changing Samza into a stranger, Boulder must decide where her priorities lie and whether her yearning for freedom can truly trump her yearning for love. Once again, Eva Baltazar demonstrates her preeminence as a chronicler of queer voices navigating a hostile world and in prose as brittle and beautiful as an ancient saga. Um, just so we're clear, when I said this is one of the horniest books I've ever read, I did not mean that in any sort of negative sense. It's it's definitely not trashy. Um, and if you like reading trashy things, that's fine. Um, that would not be something that would be on the Booker International long list. Um, it's, it's very, very beautifully written. Um, like I said, the author is a poet. Um, and yet you get this this woman falls in love with this, this other woman. And then, and then she sees the other, it's just this picture of what she's watching this woman change. And she sort of feels like she's invested in the relationship enough that she's not going to, um, she's not going to leave. She's not going to quit, but she also at the same time just doesn't really want to have a kid. Um, she's very against the idea of having a kid. I think she doesn't like to be tied down um, is sort of the vibe I get. And I don't want to like, there's not really much to, to spoil. There are a few things that I, I don't want to mention super specifics because that will, you know, but this, this book is not something that you're reading to see what happens. Um, you're just reading it because the depiction of this character is so sort of subtly tragic sad um but also like really really beautifully um done and i think the writing even in translation the writing comes through so well um i believe this was originally written in catalan um which is at risk of being completely wrong here i believe it is a specific dialect of spanish um like mainland spanish um, if I'm wrong, let me know. Um, I should, I should just look these things up, but I, I open my mouth because I don't think of these things beforehand. I just open my mouth and just start talking. At least I've, at least I've learned to sort of like, be like, Hey, I could be wrong. Um, because sometimes I, I am wrong. Um, but yeah, so I think it's, it's a beautifully written book. It's very, very short. Um, I think I I knocked it out in like a day or two tops. Um, I was reading it just sort of off and on. Um, and then I think I read the, like the, for the first half of it, I was sort of like starting and stopping because I had, had other stuff I was doing. Um, but once I got to that halfway point, um, I just sat down that night and just knocked the rest of it out. And um, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely recommend um especially if you're into something just slow and um just just really well well written um it's not at all the same 
as On Earth Were Briefly Gorgeous by Ocean Wong. But I think if you liked that, then there is a pretty good chance you would also like this. Like I said, they're not at all the same. Um, but they're all they're both sort of a version on a on a queer love story and um, written by poets. So I mean, there are some very 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 broad stroke similarities. Um, this one's this one's more. Um, I don't even. I was gonna say more literary, but what does that even really, really mean? Um, this one's just translated, and and uh, the Ocean Fog was not. I think is the is probably one of the biggest differences in the way they're written. But um, I'm gonna not stick my foot in my mouth and uh, try to make any more comparisons. Um, but yeah, I definitely recommend both of these books. Um, so far, Booker International is is hitting um so hopefully hopefully i mean you're bound to have a miss um you know in a list of 13 books they're not going to all appeal to the same person probably um odds are so but i think i'm going to wrap this up and um i think hopefully we'll be back on tuesday with um the next installment um the first the first um sort of more in-depth um analysis episode on RF Kuang's Babel. So definitely look forward to that. I know I'm, I'm excited to sort of dig into that. Um, I've already, um, I had a good time reading it. I took my time with it. I didn't want to fly through it. Um, I probably could have, but I, I, I just wanted to kind of focus more. Um, I marked it up a good bit. So I've, I've got a lot I could probably say on it. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to go too too deep on it um just because i don't i don't think anyone wants to listen to hours of me talking about Babel. um but i do want to uh to get into it for like probably two episodes or so um so that is coming up and then after that um, i've got some ideas but i've i've um hopefully learned um, that if i say i'm gonna do something um, it generally doesn't happen, so I don't want to uh, do that again. Um, will I? Probably at some point, because I'm kind of an idiot sometimes, but um, not right now. So, um, until next time, keep on reading.